Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to Felony Friday right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Felony Friday is the show where each and every week we focus on exposing injustice in the broken criminal justice system. And hopefully by now, you know, we're getting into the end of January now. Hopefully by now you've been able to enjoy our new scheduling format, our new programming menu here at Lions of Liberty. You've now heard Mark Clare in his new exclusive Monday time slot where he's been doing interviews and been hosting roundtables and where he's been doing his new feature, his Letters of Liberty, where he's been answering questions submitted in our Lions of Liberty forum, which is on Facebook. And you can join that Lions of Liberty forum by going to Facebook, punching Lions of Liberty forum in the search bar, and uh, we'll get you right in and you can ask questions there or You can also ask questions. You can send them directly to Mark. You can send them to mark at lionsofliberty.com. That is Mark, M-A-R-C. So feel free to do that either way to reach out to ask Mark some questions that you have on your mind. Then every Wednesday, of course, we've been having, uh, it started the beginning of January, Electric Liberty Land, which is hosted by none other than Brian McWilliams. It's an entertaining show. It's a current event show. Brian is doing a pretty awesome job of keeping up to date and giving you a really nice little snippet at the beginning of the things trending in politics, trending in liberty, giving you all of your Donald Trump updates and a libertarian perspective on that, as well as bringing on some pretty cool guests to talk with. I know in episode three, he had on one of my favorites, the host of uh, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad, Johnny Adams. So that was a cool episode. And every Friday, of course, you have Felony Friday, which is what you're listening to right now. This is the show where we shine a light on the broken criminal justice system. And today we're going to be doing that in a little bit of a different way. Today's show, I'll be interviewing Jeff Mould. Now, Jeff has started a website that not only helps felons to get jobs once they get out of prison, once they get out of the prison system, but it also provides felons with a plethora of other resources that felons need. Anyone with a criminal background who's trying to find a job, trying to reintegrate into society, things they need, different training, if they need to find a lawyer, different uh, different things like that. It's all at this website, which we're going to talk about. It's called Second Chance Jobs for Felons. We're going to go into detail talking about the website. And I just want to say before we start, I think it's really important. This is an important episode. Even if you're not a felon, you might know someone who's a felon. You probably have friends or relatives or people that have a criminal record. And even if you don't, this episode is so important because it provides a shining example of a libertarian solution, a free market solution to a government-created problem, this government-created problem of recidivism. They arrest all these people, many of them for nonviolent crimes, and lock them up, and when they put them back on the street, they often don't have a driver's license, Uh, they can't get a credit card, can't get a bank account, they're basically screwed. And of course the government does nothing to help them out, but this is where people like Jeff and the free market can step in to fill that void to help people to get back on their feet and to help people to find a job and to add value in society. So I'm excited for you to hear more about Jeff's free market solution. 
And I'll introduce Jeff in a minute. Before I do that, I do want to steer you all to the show notes page. You can find links and notes to everything that we're going to talk about during this interview at lionsofliberty.com slash FF56. This is episode number 56. Today, Jeff Mould joins us on Felony Friday. Jeff is the founder of the website called Second Chance Jobs for Felons. Jeff was inspired to launch his venture after running into his own legal troubles and experiencing firsthand the stigma that former felons have to deal with, what they have to overcome when they are searching for a job. Through his website, Jeff has been able to help formerly incarcerated people transition back into society by helping them to find employment so they can add value to society. Second Chance Jobs for Felons offers resources that assist felons with finding jobs and so much more where they can actually add value to society, where they can find employers who are open to hiring citizens returning to society after being incarcerated. Jeff, welcome to Felony Friday. Thanks for having me, John. Pleasure to be here. Well, thanks for coming on. I do appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate you coming on to share this story, to talk about this really fantastic website. I think it's a great idea, a very creative idea. And I, I do want to learn more about that throughout this interview. But before we get into that, before we start talking about this powerful job tool that you've created to help former felons, convicted felons who are now on the outside to get a job, I do want to give our Felony Friday audience a chance to get to know you just a little bit better. So I'll start with just a general question. Uh, where did you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? What's your background there? I grew up in uh, right outside of uh, Washington, D.C., Went to high school in, in D.C., uh, private high school, and then graduated high school and went on to Frostburg State University, attended Frostburg, and left there after four years when my uh, financial means ran out and went into the workforce. I worked for, upon leaving Frostburg, I immediately went to work for BAE Systems as a network administrator and spent several years at BAE Systems, left BAE Systems, went into Pitney Bowes. Worked there for about six months. What type of work was BAE Systems? Uh, network administrator, computers, network administration. Then your next job after that, was a, that was the same field? The same field, yes. Okay. Just a, another question. So growing up in Washington, D.C., obviously, you know, throughout your life, in order to start this project, you developed an interest in the plight of felons. I'm curious if you had, growing up, if you had any interaction with people that had a criminal record, if you knew any other people who had been in trouble to that degree? No, not growing up. I had not. Not growing up. So you yourself, like I said in the intro, you did have some legal problems. Can you go into that? Or are you willing to talk about that? Absolutely. So about 2006, I was in a business venture and got mixed up with a individual who was, I'm not quite sure where he was getting the money, but he was laundering money. And he was funneling money through my business and essentially laundering it. And I got mixed up into that aspect of it, ended up getting charged with grand theft over 10,000. What type of business did you have? Uh, computer equipment, website design. Was he a business partner or just a, a contract or a client? He was a business partner. He came in as an investor and that's how I met him. And you know things started out really good, but as time went on and he was shoveling more money into the company, I kind of had a feeling something wasn't right. And, uh, you know, I probably should have stepped back at the time. But, you know, you, it's easy to get lured into that lifestyle and, you know, the fast money. And, you know, I was able to uh, afford things that I wanted to do and go where I wanted to go and, you know, do what I wanted to do. You know, so 
I didn't really view it as committing a crime, you know, but it's essentially I was an accomplice to him in doing that. And so how did it ultimately, how did it all go down? How were you, was there a sting operation? Um, how were you arrested? Well, after about, I guess probably about six or seven months of working with him, I knew what he was doing and we grew increasingly bold into it. And he was giving me checks written out to the business to deposit. And, you know, I kind of knew that the checks were bad. And every time I would go to the bank to make a deposit, the tellers would take increasingly longer and longer, you know, and they would always, oh, the computers are running slow today. And, you know, there was always something with the computers and, you know, but to go and make a deposit and have it take 20 minutes to make a deposit, it's either a really slow computer or something's up. Right. So I guess about a month later, I walked into the bank and, you know, deposited a check and the tellers, you know, the same routine. And so I'm standing there and waiting and waiting and waiting. And the next thing I know, there's a tap on my shoulder and uh, there's a police officer there. And he, uh, you know, he says, hey, you know, I need to talk to you. So that was the start of it. Hmm. And it went down from there. So uh, were you arrested on that day or was that, were you interviewed or? I was interviewed. And then about a week later, they came and uh, I had a knock at the door and they came and, and arrested me and they had a search warrant. They searched the house, searched all my computer equipment, you know, took all my computer equipment, took files and, and everything like that. So ultimately, what crime were you charged with? I had several charges, uh, numerous charges, you know, in, in typical uh, law enforcement fashion. You know, they want to pile on as many charges as possible. It's it's throw spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks. Exactly. Yeah. So I had about 30 or 40 counts of grand theft. And then I had uh, several using a credit card. I forget what it is. And then numerous, what was it? Defraud a financial institution or something along that line of scheme to defraud a financial institution. Mm -hmm. Pretty much every time I had walked into the bank from the day I opened the account, didn't matter whether I was going in there legitimately or illegitimately. If I used the ATM, you know, if I ran something on the company credit card, all those were schemed to defraud. Wow. Yeah. They lumped literally every interaction or uh, every transaction you had with the bank was lumped. Yep. Yep. Everything I did on that bank was considered a charge on the scheming to defraud. So what did you end up getting convicted of then? I pleaded it down. I took a plea for one grand theft and one scheme to defraud. And ended up serving a two-year probation sentence, uh, supervised probation sentence on it. Okay, so you, you didn't actually have to spend any time in prison. No, nah, it's out of uh, outside of the uh, you know the initial incarceration. Well, you know, waiting on my initial hearing for seventeen days. That was the limit of my my time. Okay, so you're on probation for two years. Obviously, pretty limited in what you can do uh, working. <laughs> Very limited. Just. Based on that. So, yeah, well, yeah, talk about that for a little bit. I couldn't have a bank account. I couldn't have a credit card. I couldn't use the Internet, couldn't have a cell phone. So, you know, it was like taking somebody and picking them up uh, in the year 2007 and, and placing them back in like 1950. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was and, and you don't realize in life how, you know, the little things that you take for granted, you know, using a cell phone or, or having any kind of Internet access, you know, having a bank account, which makes you know, having a job adds to another challenge, which, you know, increases your costs because now you're, you know, you're paying to get your checks cashed at different places. You know, you're always carrying, you know, a wad of cash on you. You know, it's just, it's a challenge, you know, from that aspect. Um, you know, I'm not 
saying that it couldn't have been more challenging, but it was definitely a challenge from that aspect. So how did you navigate that? Did you have family and friends that, that helped you out? How were you able to make enough money during that time period in order to afford rent and food and things like that? Well, I actually had, you know, I had a good, strong family background, which helped significantly. You know, without that, I definitely would not have been able to hire you know, the attorney that I was able to hire. Yeah, I had a place to live. So that helped significantly. And everything I did from a living perspective was just, I was living with a friend. So, you know, paying rent was just giving him cash. And so that aspect out worked out okay for me, you know, but I couldn't travel. I couldn't, you know, I mean, there was no, couldn't leave the County. I couldn't leave, you know, the, I was stuck. I had to get rid of my car. I had to get rid of, you know, everything because, you know, it's tough to have insurance when you don't have a bank account. You know, it's, it's just, it complicates things, you know, to every extent. And, you know, finding a job without a phone, you know, is a, is a huge challenge. What types of jobs were you able to find at that point? A restaurant. And ironically enough, I started doing marketing, working for a company doing marketing and, um, you know, helping them set up their marketing and everything like that. Okay. So this goes on for two years and then you're off probation and I'm sure relieved. Did you find after that, that as you continued to look for employment or, um, you know, seek different careers that the felon label attached you, did it hinder you? Did that stigma stick with you? Well, you know, going back to my job history, you know, I had a pretty strong job history. I'd worked for, you know, several large, you know, telecom companies and in computer companies and defense contractors, um, you know, prior, you know, so I had contacts, but obviously going back into some, you know, you're not going to walk out and get a job in the defense world. And I was overly scared at first to discuss it or talk to anybody about it. And I went back to what I had done in high school and what I had done, you know, throughout college. And that was working in a restaurant where, you know, people don't ask questions, you know, and did that for several years, you know, and was able to, you know, build up a little bit of a savings and get my feet back on the ground and, you know, get where I am today. So you're working in restaurants for about how many years did you work in restaurants at that point? Six. Like six years. Seven years. So when does this idea start to to knock around in your head to start a website for felons to find jobs? Where did this initially come from? Well, initially, you know, when when I was going through the probation myself, you know, I had to go to a probation officer, you know, pretty much I had to check in almost daily, you know, and I was experiencing it firsthand myself, you know, so things started to click a little bit. And every time I would go into the probation office, I would always, you know, read the bulletin boards and, you know, read what was laying around and, and listen to people talking amongst themselves in the waiting room, you know, and, and hear the conversations and the struggles that everybody is dealing with, you know, and, and, immediately my mind is going back to, you know, my technology background and thinking, yeah, there's got to be a way to serve and to help these people. And so I started thinking about it at that point. But when it really came to an idea was, you know, after about five or six years in the restaurant world, I was just burned out from that. It was, um, you know, let's really start putting pen to paper and coming up with an idea. Uh, So it's about 2000 and 13, right in there, started with a company called Hap Hire uh, that I founded. And Hap Hire, the sole purpose of that was going to be a monster.com for returning citizens. So it was only going to be job postings, only going to be, you know, ability to search and apply to, to job openings that are for 
felons. But the biggest problem with that is, as I quickly learned, is that it's very difficult to sell employers on the idea of, hey, post your job here, pay me to post your job, but the only people I'm going to send you have criminal records. You know, so there there was a lot of pushback and a lot of you know resistance, and it definitely was not going to scale by any means. It's only been really recently in the past, what is it? I don't know, maybe three years, where there's been more of a, a movement, and really a national movement with with ban the box and stuff like that, in order to you know sort of remove this stigma from people with with criminal backgrounds, helping them to actually get out of the system to stop this crazy problem we have with recidivism. But yeah, I mean. Five, 10 years ago, nobody was talking about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're slowly seeing that trend with the Second Chance Jobs for Felons.com website is that we're seeing more and more employers reaching out to us saying, hey, can we list our job posting on your site? Which is huge. That's, you know, that's, we didn't see that you know, even you know, a year or two ago you know, to the extent that we're seeing it now. It's definitely a good sign that that stigma is slowly changing, that perception is slowly changing. So you first started this, it's called HAP Hire. Hap. That was the, the first that one? That is, yes. How did you spell that? H-A-P-H-I-R-E. What did HAP stand for? Is that? Well, HAP is actually a, uh, is another word for chance. So it was, it was supposed to be chance, you know, like a chance hire. Okay. And that's kind of where it really evolved from. Thought it might be, thought it might be an acronym. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get that lucky. I wasn't that creative. Yeah, there's so many acronyms today. Everything's an acronym. Yeah. But how did you move into second chance jobs for felons? Is this your own project? Did you, you know, fund it yourself? Did you go out and get investors? How did you really build this idea up? So it kind of goes back to the hap hire. And so I start hap hire and start, you know, it was it's kind of like playing with the clay. You know, you really don't know what you're going to make. You know, but you're, you're molding something. And I was lucky enough to get accepted into a program called Fast Forward that was run by the city of Philadelphia in conjunction with Good Company Ventures. And they gave us a small stipend to get started and to, you know, provide some guidance and some, you know, business advice and, and everything. So as I was going through that program, you know, you, you realize that, you know, you're trying to build a house, you know, with toothpicks or something, you know, I mean, it's just, it wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. And I had some savings built up. So, Finally, at the end of 2015, and after toying with this thing for about a year and a half, two years, look, I said to myself, I got to come up with something different. And Hap Hire, obviously, the name's not working. Everybody that I talked to said, you know, that name doesn't work. You, you got to change the name. <laughs> so rebranded as Second Chance Jobs for Felons.com and started in January of 2016. And I said to myself, I'm going to give it a year. You know, and, and I'll just keep adding to the site and adding to the site and, you know, we'll see where it is in a year. And if it's doing well, you know, we'll go further. And after about six months in, it was doing far beyond what I had expected. And what I had learned was that a lot of companies won't admit they will hire returning citizens or won't give you a straight answer. And just because one returning citizen gets hired by XYZ Corporation doesn't mean that every other returning citizen is going to get hired by XYZ Corporation. So, you know, hiring decisions aren't just based, you know, a lot of times because a returning citizen isn't hired, they naturally assume, which is, is understandable, that the reason they weren't hired is their background. But that is not always the case. You know, a lot of times they might not be hired because 
they don't have the experience, they don't have the education, you know, something else is just missing. So what we started to do with Second Chance Jobs is build out a algorithm that looks more at the individual's background. So in its current state, it's very limited in the amount of information that it collects. So it, it wants to know the number of uh, felonies, the you know the time since your last conviction, was it a conviction or an arrest, was it a felony or a misdemeanor, and then it looks at the jobs that you're searching for. So if you just walk out of the fence and you're looking for a senior management position, you're probably not going to have a good chance of getting that job. You know, it really kinds to set the expectations, you know, a little bit better. And it's understandable. People have families and, you know, to support and they want to support themselves and they want to change their lifestyles. But, you know, you can't always walk out to the same position you were in before you walked in. Right. And that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes for people, you know, that they're not going to get the, you know, the $15 to $20 an hour job, that they're going to have to take that $10 an hour job. But you don't have to take it for a lifetime. You, you know, you got to understand that that's, you know, that's only temporary. You just need to reprove yourself to society and, and take it, you know, work on it, you know, work that job, work it, you work the hardest you can. And, you know, while you're working that job, continue to look for something better and just keep improving yourself and look for new opportunities. Um, you know, that's really the only way that you're going to find a job as a returning citizen. Right. So is this a nationwide program? It is. It is. So you're pulling literally the entire United States job pool. I'm kind of curious how uh, that's got to be something that I'm sure you have some sort of extraction tool set up to do that, to sort all that data. But roughly how many jobs are you going through? I don't know, like per week. Just over a million a day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that are searched. And we have partnerships with job providers that you know feed us their postings. We have a strong um, partnership with ZipRecruiter who feeds us job postings. And then we further scan those postings down to something that's, you know, a little bit more tolerable, you know, and obviously there's jobs that there's just not going to be a chance for a returning citizen to get, you know, you're probably not going to get hired as a police officer. You know, you're probably going to have a hard time finding, you know, defense contractor type positions. You know, that's just the nature of the beast. So you can immediately just kind of, kind of throw them out, you know, but then there are some jobs that aren't as challenging to get. We're constantly scanning the job postings that are sent over. Right now, we have, I couldn't even tell you how many job searches are done on a daily basis, you know, or how many applications are submitted on a daily basis. Are you able to share any success stories? I'm sure you've had some, you know, some people that have maybe reached out to you and thanked you maybe. Are there any ones that, that stick out? And uh, I don't. And one thing that Second Chance Jobs has really, really done in you know, it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time is we don't track anybody. We don't track your use. I mean, we don't track how you go through the site. Oh, that's cool. You know, so we can't associate an individual with a job application. And we are working on adding some advanced features that will do that. You know, people request to be able to build a resume. So we're putting in a resume builder, you know, and being able to track the jobs that they do apply to. We're getting requests from users to add those features. And we're slowly starting to get that built out and rolled out, you know, but right now in its current state, we don't track, you know, how the individual uses the site. You know, obviously we have some basic statistics of, you know, what pages they visit and, you know, how they move around on the site, but we can't, 
you know, say, oh, that was John that came to the site and looked at, you know, these three pages. We don't track mm. that information at all. Okay. I'm curious, do you get most of your traffic just from Google, people searching and, and finding the site, or how are people finding this job tool? I'd say probably 60% of our traffic is uh, Google and other search engines. Probably about 20% is social media, and then another 20% is referrals. We've built some good, strong partnerships with several reentry programs across the country You know that kind of use us as a, hey, use this job search tool. You know, so that's where our traffic pretty much comes from right now. Okay. I'm just one more question. Um, you mentioned before that you know, after doing this for six months, it far exceeded your expectations. So is, is this something that, that you're able to do now full time? And, and what do you mean by, I guess, what, what were your initial expectations <laughs> that, that it exceeded? One visitor? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a full time job. It's always been a full time job. So I've been doing this for, I've been all in for three years, a little over three years now. I do do an occasional uh, consulting, uh, web consulting, you know, job here and there, you know, helping people out with with things. But uh, beyond that, this is it. This is full time. Initial expectations were that I don't really have a definitive number in my head, you know, as far as traffic, but, you know, to the site. But um, right now it gets right now it's averaging about 50,000 users a month to the site. And initially, I thought it was going to be only job postings that people would want, but job postings is actually probably only about 50% of what people come to the site looking for. You know, they're looking for connections to programs. They're looking for connections to training. They're looking for answers to questions about daily life. They're looking for information about housing. And that's one thing that we're working on building out is our housing directory. You know, if you think finding a job as a returning citizen is a challenge, finding housing is impossible. Um, you know, it's, it's extremely difficult. And I think that only leads to, you know, recidivism rates increasing greatly because the housing issue is, is so bad. So we're working on ways to try and to solve that problem as well. It's really turning into a resource that is not a one-stop shop, but a place where somebody can go to get information to help to hopefully solve a couple of problems that they're facing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, whether it's they need an expungement attorney or they, they're looking for the one-on-one community service, you know, we've got a lot more programs that we're going to start adding in as far as connections to like AA or NA or, you know, any of those type programs in I call it an online library for uh, returning citizens is really, you know, what we don't try and provide generic advice. So we try and provide, you know, very as much information about programs and services as we can. That's really interesting. Yeah, I I had no idea that it was that far outside of that expansive outside of a job search tool. That's really cool to learn. Um, I do want to ask one last question. If you can just share with the audience once again what the website is. And maybe some other ways that people can interact and maybe help out with this venture. The website again is Second Chance Jobs for Felons.com. So it's it's spelled out second chance jobs for felons.com. And you know, we're always looking for new programs. So if you know of a program in your area, you know, if you know of employers, you know, we're we're always looking for more information, for more data to add to the site. You know, so attorneys that are into the expungement, um, you know, and post-conviction relief, uh, whether that's, you know, expungement, whether that's record sealing, whether that's um, pardons, you know, 
we're always looking for that information to add to the site. Hey guys, really want to thank you for listening to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed hearing from Jeff Mold and hearing about this really creative model, this really creative way, free market way to solve a problem created by government. And I'm sitting here today, I'm sitting here with my little daughter, Ruby, my 16-month-old daughter, sitting on my lap as I record the conclusion of this podcast. I just want to take a minute to tell you guys a little bit why I'm passionate about the criminal justice system and why I'm passionate about uh, making things better, especially for felons, for nonviolent felons who are especially in prison for nonviolent drug offenses. Um, It did impact me very closely several years ago. I had a family member, very close family member to me, who ended up spending some time in jail for selling some marijuana, ended up getting five felonies for selling a pretty small amount of marijuana. And, you know, it didn't ruin his life because he was able to have support from, uh, you know, from his family and from friends and people helping him out. And that helped him get through it. But it really, really opened my eyes to see if somebody doesn't have that family support, if they don't have somebody to step in to help them out, to give them a job, then they can very easily be screwed and very easily be sucked back into the system. And that is really why we have this problem with recidivism today. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. You know, this is something that I'm passionate about. This is something that I really care deeply about. One of the reasons why I'm just so excited to hear that Jeff Mould has put together a product like this, a website like this, I think it is so necessary and it it hits on such a pain point in society. I do want to tell you guys, if you did enjoy this show, I hope you did. If you have some suggestions for things you'd like to hear me talk about, if you have some ideas for guests you'd like me to have on, you can shoot me an email to felonyfriday at lionsofliberty.com and I'd love to chat with you. I mentioned earlier in the show, in the intro, the Lions of Liberty Forum, you can reach out to us there. It's a great discussion forum. We have, uh, you know, we're growing pretty rapidly now. It's easy to join. Just go to Facebook, punch Lions of Liberty Forum in the search bar, and we will get you approved. A great way you can help us out. Probably the best way you can help us out. If you listen on iTunes, even if you don't listen on iTunes, is by going to iTunes and giving us a five-star rating and leaving a nice review. Uh, that really helps us out with the iTunes algorithms and iTunes is the largest podcasting library out there. We want to grow this show. We want to reach more people. We have to grow our presence on iTunes. So if you haven't done it yet, please, please think about doing it today. And as always, you can share the show, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter. That's it for today's show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire is a liberty burning.